Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have heard Seeing Green by Nicki Minaj featuring Drake and Lil Wayne, but yo. That's my joy! joy. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to episode five of the second season of the Yo, That's My John podcast, the podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. John Mayer, a.k.a. Johnny Five is alive, a.k.a. You don't know what you got till it's John, a.k.a. John in 60 Seconds, a.k.a. John Cusack and his sister, John Cusack, a.k.a. the only podcaster open from dusk till John, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, checking in for yet another podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. What is going on, people? We have a great episode for you today. In a little bit, you'll hear my interview with Clover. Her music recently hit my radar, and I really enjoy her songwriting, so it was great to be able to sit down and chat with her. During this interview, you will notice that I have updated the one-hit wonders portion of the jauntlet. As I said in last week's podcast, working on the Top 10 Countdown collection had me going back and listening to previous episodes, and while I was doing so, I realized I kept getting the same answers for some of the matchups. So, I decided now would be a great time for a change-up, but... Before we send off our old friends, I want to go over the ones I am replacing and tell you how they scored. Our first one-hit wonder that will be leaving us will be, drumroll please, Sammy Hagar versus David Lee Roth. I don't know why I thought there would be more of a debate to this one, but Diamond Dave took down the category 7-2. But hey, look, Sammy got two. I'm also pulling out Biggie versus Tupac, which ended up 6-3 in favor of Tupac. This one's coming out because it seems like it was a bit out of the wheelhouse of a good number of the guests, so some of the picks were along the lines of, I don't really know either of them well, so I'll just say, which is fine as an answer, but it doesn't really breed discussion, so it's out. Beatles vs. Stones is sticking around, but I'm dropping favorite Beatle as it seems this is Paul's category, running away with the title with seven votes in favor. Both John and George received one vote each, and sadly, alas, poor Ringo, I knew him well, Horatio, saw none. The last one I'm discontinuing is Prince versus MJ. All 10 guests picked Prince as their choice, which is grounds enough for removing it, but I'm going to be honest with you. The stigma of the allegations against Michael Jackson linger so heavy, and I honestly just don't feel comfortable keeping it in there anymore. So I'm taking away these four one-hit wonders and replacing them with five new ones. That's right. It's a four for five special, folks. And they debut today when I speak to. My guest today is a singer, songwriter from a small river town in New Jersey whose music blends her soulful voice with a little bit of rock and a little bit of pop into a timeless sonic delicacy. She has graced the stages of many of the New York staples such as Rockwood Music Hall, Pianos, and Pete's Candy Store, to name a few. After releasing her single This Love in early 2020, my guest decided to leave Brooklyn in the midst of the pandemic and busk her way across the country with one destination in mind, California, where she is currently residing for now. 
The music video for her latest single, Sunman, is now available on her YouTube channel and the song available on Spotify and Apple Music. Folks, please join me in welcoming to the pod, Clover. And then, uh, and then we can get started. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Clover. Thank you for joining me here on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to do this. Uh, I, I don't know if you just heard, but my voice just completely changed. This is my, <laughs> this is my, per, my, uh, my podcast persona uh, voice, but, uh, but no, uh, thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Um, I always like to start things off talking about um, the connections I have with people. And uh, my connection with you is uh, your manager is my cousin's wife. <laughs> apparently yeah it's such a small world <laughs> no she uh, she had started um sharing some clips of stuff uh when i guess when all that started rolling out and i was like wow this is really fascinating music so i'm like really excited to be able to get you here on this show oh i'm so happy we had this connection yeah, yeah it's it, great it's i mean like sonically like you uh make music that i love so um oh, so it's really you. great to have you um tell me a little bit about uh growing up like uh, where where did you grow up I grew up in a small town called Lambertville, New Jersey. Have, I don't know if you, where do you live? Where are you I'm, from? I'm I'm in right now. I'm currently in Ambler, uh, PA. I grew oh, okay. up uh, North Wales, always in the Philly burbs. So okay, got so it, got very it, got familiar. it. Yeah. yeah, so I grew up in Lambertville and um, loved it, and then eventually uh, spent some time in upstate New York and found myself in Brooklyn for a bit. Um, yeah, but I spent a lot of time in Philly when I was living in Lambertville. Yeah. Oh, it's great. So uh, when you're a kid, like what kind of music's playing around the house? What was like kind of your first memory <laughs> of music? That's funny. Um, my boyfriend just asked me that question this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my dad had an, an incredibly like eclectic taste in music. And I have this memory of him actually just playing noise. Like we had, he had speakers throughout the entire house. We had speakers in the backyard. We had these like speakers that looked like rocks and blended into the backyard and he would actually just play like like i don't know he would call it noise but it's just like sounds of like people like screaming or like metal like people banging on metal it was very strange for me as a child but that's like one memory i have yeah and then um he also loved a lot of like dance um i feel like music you would hear in like the clubs in like berlin or something okay <laughs> Um, and he liked a lot of just international music. His music taste was very eclectic, like I said. And then my mom, she was super into like Joni Mitchell, Stevie Nicks. And like, I think that both of them definitely influenced me. Um, I think my dad's side just made me super open to a lot of different types of music and very sure. like experimental and willing to explore. And my mom's side of music was definitely more just like at the core of my being and who I am. So I'm really thankful for both sides. But yeah, that's the kind of music I grew up with. Yeah, I mean, it actually it actually really makes sense because the song <laughs> the songwriting core in there and, you know, the the emotional core of it mixed with kind of the sonic build of noise and and that kind of that's that's really fascinating. That's really interesting. So um, when uh, were you playing instruments at a young age or did that come later or? Yeah, I well. I remember when I was little, kind of like running around the house, um, pretending that I was Annie, like the orphan Annie from the <laughs> musical Annie. I was obsessed with that and also the sound of music. So I was singing from a really young age. And then 
when I was five or six, I started playing the piano. And um, my first performance, I think when I was, I think was when I was six years old and I played uh, Lady Madonna and sang at the uh, school talent show. So that was really the beginning of it for me. That's awesome. So uh, with the the Annie and Sound of Music background, did you do any musical theater or any theater uh, growing up? I actually didn't um, because I was also super into sports. I played a lot of sports and um, as much as I loved singing, it kind of like I always wanted to be in musicals, but the opportunity was never there. So it kind of had to be a separate thing. I'm actually uh, I think it was last year. I started recording demos for a musical that will be happening at some point. Um, So I'm hoping, you know, once COVID is over, maybe I can actually be a part of that musical and that that would be my first time. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. um, That's like one of my little, uh, I don't like, I don't, uh, the whole premise of this uh, podcast and this uh, website and everything that I've kind of done on this, yo, that's my John brand has been um, the idea of displacing the guilt and embracing the Mm. pleasure because I just don't believe in guilty pleasures, but for lack of better term, one of my guilty pleasures is musical theater. Like I am mm. really, really super into musicals, but that is, that is really cool. So you're working on the kind of the demos of the music or uh, is someone doing the book of uh, the, uh, the book or are you doing that as well? So um, it's someone who actually the owner, who, he used to own Murray's cheese, which is like this huge cheese company in uh, New York city. And he sold that company and then was like, I want to write a musical. So (laughs) he he, uh, wrote this musical called Soho High. And um, it's super, it's super cool. Um, The character that I recorded the demos for, her name was Angel. And um, from what I understand, although I haven't read the entire, the musical in its entirety, it's um, kind of based in like the AA rooms in New York city back in maybe like the eighties. Okay. And um, so all of the characters met in AA and they're, you know, singing about their life. And so my character, I sang, I think maybe four songs of hers and because of COVID, the musical has not been happening, but the demos were to hopefully, you know, get that ball rolling. So that when it does happen. Yeah. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So so you perform you perform Lady Madonna in school. Uh, you said you were playing sports. What was uh, what was your main uh, sport drive there? What was your, your game? Well, the sport that stuck with me is basketball. I still play basketball very awesome. often. Um, I'm obsessed, um, but I played softball. I played uh, field hockey. Yeah. Softball, field hockey, basketball. And then actually I did one year of lacrosse. OK. No, yeah, that's cool. And I did one year of lacrosse with Nicole, actually, in high oh, school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Small world. <laughs> yeah. That, that is cool. So, um, you know, you're you're starting to play piano at six and stuff like that. When do you start kind of creating your own songs? When does it become your thing? Well, I think there, there was this interesting moment, actually, at six years old after that performance that I did, where I just started bawling my eyes out at six years old. Like I did the performance. I started bawling my eyes out, like ran to my mom and yes, I'm young. So I think I was probably a little bit overwhelmed, but I also felt this just like, this is it. This is like my fullest self at six years old. I'm like, this is like, what is everyone else doing? Why are you not doing this? This feels like amazing, you know? Um, So I think I knew there was more to music for me. Um, But it wasn't until middle school 
that I started writing. And um, my parents were going through a divorce. There was like, you know, complicated family dynamics. And I think I started writing poetry and then it just morphed into song because, you know, I was playing piano and singing and writing poems. And I was like, what will happen if I put them together? Yeah. Um, and when that first happened, my my songs were like 10 minutes long. You know, like, uh-huh. it was just like me rambling, singing, really like working through emotions. Um, and I think it was also in middle school that I was introduced. I was introduced to uh, Regina Spector. Have you heard oh of her? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And she I would say she is the reason that like I became a songwriter. Really? Um, yeah, I. I was so inspired when I heard, I think I watched like 500 days of summer or something and her music was in that movie and I didn't know who she was, but after there were two songs in the movie that I was like, Oh my God, I'm obsessed with those. What is that? Looked it up and both of them were hers. And she's just like, so quirky. She's not afraid. She does the, like she makes weird sounds in her songs. And I felt like actually just thinking about like with my dad and my mom and the types of music they played. Mm-hmm. I think that she was a really beautiful combination of the two. Um, and yeah. So when I heard her, I was like, Oh, now I can maybe have a little bit more of a focus for how, my, how I want my music to sound rather than like 10 minute songs of me just like being like, this is my life. Like, da, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. She, yeah. She, um, the album that had, I want to say, uh, I think it was, I forget the name of the album. I can picture the cover. Um, but when it came out, I listened to it and I was like, this is really good stuff. I enjoy it. But then I found like a bootleg live version of just her and a piano. And I was like, oh, this is the real deal. This is exactly what I want to listen. Like, she's so incredible. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, I think that in some of her recordings, she is able to like get that uh, energy. But like, it's it's so different when it's live. When I seen her live, she'll like. You know, she'll make a bunch of mistakes. She'll forget the words. And it's the like the most adorable thing in the world, the way that she, you know, like, and that's part of the performance. You don't really get that in like the studio version of a song. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys like uh, uh, people call me annoying for it because I'm like, ah, this is good, but you should hear it live or, oh, you should hear the early demo because those kind of flaws and stuff like that are to me like what music is about. Like, I, I don't like perfection. I don't like it to sound crystal clear. I want the mistakes. I want the little idiosyncrasies, the things you can point to that are just kind of like a moment in time. But that's right. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I feel the same way. So, um, in so when you're uh, starting to kind of write these, you know, r- cut down these ten minute songs into more mm-hmm. workable kinds of things, um, are, are are you thinking about putting a band together? Are you playing with anybody else, or is this just still solo, kind of by yourself? This was still solo, and it was strange. I remember at the time, you know, writing these songs and having people say, like, oh, you should play them with other people. Like, you should have a drummer. You should have all these things. And it was, like, almost impossible for me to hear what that would sound like. Really? Like, when you're, yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely can hear it more now. But when you're creating something, like, from only you, inside of you, it's it's hard to, like, separate that from yourself and hear it as if you are someone else listening to it, you know? So when, when I was writing these things and I was writing it just piano and voice, 
that's what it, to me, I was like, oh, that's it. That's the whole entity. Um, not really being able to separate it from myself and be like, oh, if I heard someone else play this, what other instruments would I hear with it? You know? Yeah. So that took me a really long time. Um, I don't know if I would say I was like resistant to having other people play on it. It was more just like I needed to develop a little bit more and be able to separate myself from the song. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I I I, uh, I have this uh, does not play well with others kind of attitude, even though I've been in bands and stuff like that. But like, you know, we'll start working on a song, and in my head, I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that, but okay. Uh, you know? <laughs> like that i but, but mostly with my personal stuff i mean i write stuff specifically for groups and all um and that's fine that can sound like whatever but there's there i completely understand there are things that like it is hard to kind of invite someone to um play with your own emotion right like it's yeah like- well that's the other thing i was gonna say i think that i was in like a really vulnerable place when i started writing because i was writing out of like trying to understand what was going on in my my life with like my family kind of breaking apart. So for me in high school, when also high school is just like for a lot of people, a really emotional time, like your body's changing, your mind is sh- like so many things are shifting. Yeah. So I think that it was also like, yeah, it was, it was hard for me to let people into that and be like, okay, yeah, you can play on this song that I wrote. That's like super serious and personal and intimate. And like, I've never said this to anyone else before, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really resonate with that. So, um, as you're doing that, are you, um, are you recording any of this stuff as you're writing it or is this just kind of like for yourself? Yeah, I, um, started recording my senior year of high school. We, I was so lucky. I had this, like, I went to this amazing school called Solbury School and um, we had a program senior year where you could do like a senior project, which was basically like, um, I guess maybe your last semester you had like less classes or something so that you could really focus on this project. And I decided I was going to record something, but I had no experience with recording. I was like, I just had no idea what I was doing. So I bought... um, a little zoom recorder, like a little H one something, whatever it's called. The zoom little recorder. Handheld guy, yeah, yeah. The handheld thing. And I brought it with me to all these different places on campus that had either a piano or I just like played with my guitar and I recorded each song like a million times in all these different locations <laughs> and then ended up um, working with those and making like an EP, which might still be on Bandcamp. I'm not sure. Um, But if it is, or if it's not, I'll put it back up because I feel like it's important for people to hear like the development of an artist. Yeah. (laughs) That was actually going to be my follow-up was, uh, do these recordings still exist? Like, uh, yeah, they definitely do. I have to find them though. If they're not on there, they might, they might be there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So, um, so as you're doing that, are you playing out at all or is it all just recording? Um, I think, I was pro- I was definitely playing like at like coffee shops and doing open mics and different um, performances at school. And also at that point, probably collaborating with people a little bit. Um, yeah, I remember writing some songs and recording some songs with others during that time, too. But I think I still like also was thinking of it as this like personal therapy kind of thing rather yeah. than like I didn't there was like a switch that went off maybe a year or two later where I was like, Oh, this can be like my career. Like it, I wasn't at that point yet. Okay. Um, 
So playing out was definitely more just like open mics, coffee shop kind of thing at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, can you pinpoint what the switch was? What, what? Yeah. So after I graduated from high school, I went to Bard College in upstate New York and um, I was planning on doing like a double major in music and psychology um, because I was hoping to become a music therapist. Okay. And yeah, which made the most, that made sense to me, like with my interests and everything that I had been through. Um, And so my first year I studied music and psychology. And then I remember talking to a professor at like a school that actually had a music therapy program. And I asked them, do I need to be like doing a double major in these things? Like, how does it work um, once I go to grad school? And they were like, well, you actually only need to major in one of them, music or psychology. Okay. Yeah. And then um, once you get to grad school, they kind of, you know, you'll put them together. Um, And then I was like, oh, well, if that's the case, then like, why don't I just do music and like, see what that's really like, give myself the time. Um, And then they'll come together later and that's fine. And then, of course, like three years of doing music, I'm like, okay, I'm in love with this. I love performing. (laughs) Um, Music therapy is amazing, but I can always go to grad school like whenever I want. So that was my realization when I was like, I can do music as my life. (laughs) Yeah, that's really awesome that like, uh, you know, you used music to kind of heal during that high school time and all that and then to want to do that that's really uh mm. it's really awesome you know um this season i had uh i don't know if you're familiar with ben arnold um he was on mm. here and uh it turns out his mother was one of the early um people in the music therapy field um she was oh, kind wow. of one of the pioneers of it and I, I i did not know that at all it was something i learned but uh, that's amazing yeah cool. that's super cool uh so i don't know maybe at some point i'll end up going back to school but actually for now I, um, I'm a songwriting teacher. That's what oh, I do cool. out. Yeah. Outside of, um, writing my own songs and recording. And I actually have started my own program called solstice songwriting, which is where I work with people on, um, songwriting and mindfulness. So it's not music therapy, but it is kind of learning how to use music as a tool, um, in tandem with mindfulness activities like meditation or, uh, sound healing and um, sound meditations and stuff like that. So I created my own kind of world of that. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> you achieved it. Mm-hmm. So, so you start, um, you know, you said you were playing some open mic nights and stuff like that. Some coffee houses, you go away to school. When do you start doing um, kind of shows like a, actually playing shows? I think I did a few in um, college, but was still like, I think my biggest shows then were like weddings, you know, trying to make trying yeah. to make some money and also play. And then it was when I moved to Brooklyn um, right after graduating that I was like, OK, this is what you know, this is what you do. A musician, you move to Brooklyn and then you play the shows. And so that's what I'm going to do. Um, and that was a pretty exciting time uh, starting to do that and you know, going to the places that I had heard about for so long or had been to, maybe not actually, because I think you probably had to be 21 and I wasn't at the, before. Oh, yeah. the, but like uh, places that I had heard of for, you know, that were really reputable, like New York City venues and be like, OK, now I get to play there. Um, so that's when I started playing real shows 
Um, but now that, you know, time has passed and I look back, I'm like, it's really interesting because that's what we all aspire to do. Like all of us musicians who are at Bard and um, moving to New York City to do this, we're like thinking this is like the trajectory that we have to follow. And now with COVID, it's given me space. I'm not I'm not in New York City right now. Yeah. Um, I realized that it wasn't actually as fun at, or enjoyable as like we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, the venues we were playing at were like bars where people were really drunk and not paying attention or like really tiny, um, not making any money, you know? Yep. So I feel like with this space, sorry, the wind is getting, <laughs> um, with this space, I feel like the truth has really come out for me where like, that's not actually the type of performance I want to be doing. And there, are, I mean, there are so many negatives that have come out of the pandemic, but there are also many positives. And one of them for me is that yeah, I left New York City and I've been uh, actually living on the road, like doing kind of like cross country road trip travels and busking along the way. So I've been doing like street performances and they're way more fun yeah. <laughs> than playing in those tiny venues in New York City. So, yeah, it's I just think I've learned a lot from that experience. Yeah, you know, it, it it is the 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 live music kind of scene and kind of the places where everybody strives to play really I like I can see how it would at some point get to be fulfilling, but those early days like I stopped playing original music out um just because I couldn't play for another um four person audience like you know that wasn't paying attention you know right. whereas you know like you said with the pandemic i mean like streaming streaming and doing this podcast and stuff like that i'm actually reaching more people than i've ever reached in my life um mm. yet yet somehow i still i still miss like <laughs> i still miss the face to face you know it's like the gift and the curse i don't know it's 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 been very very bizarre um making this adapt or uh, adaption, you know, um, yeah. adaptation, is that the word I'm looking at? It's there somewhere. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, okay. So, you know, you, you just mentioned that you've started busking, you were busking across the U S like, uh, what kind of, I, I'm sure there's 50 million stories you could tell, but like what, yeah. <laughs> what kind of stands out as like, um, the pinnacle of, mm. of doing that, of that kind of trip, Oh gosh. Um, so wait, is the question what may like what caused me to do this trip? Are you yeah. asking about the oh okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like what kind of what something had to have had to happen that made yeah. you go this is Yeah. So after I left Brooklyn last year in June, I believe, and I actually left and went and lived in upstate New York in a tent uh, for a few months, um, living on a friend's property and like working in their house and then living in the tent. Um, and then, you know, it was going to get too cold to continue living in the tent. So there was yeah. this moment of like, do I go back to Brooklyn or do I do something else? And what is that something else? Um, all of my lessons had gone virtual, so I could technically do them from anywhere. 
And that was very freeing for me. And uh, a friend of mine had mentioned like, oh, why don't you do a road trip? Like, I'm going to go to California. You should drive out to California. And when I first heard that, like, I was very excited, but I also just shot it down. I was like, no, that's impossible. I can't do that. You know, like, I have to be responsible and do what I don't know, like all the things that I used to be doing that we can't do anymore, you know? So I had this thing in my head of like, is it really not possible? Why am I afraid? Why, what are the reasons for not doing it? What are the reasons for doing it? And it was kind of like, with the pandemic, everything was crazy. Like it kind of felt like anything was possible with the, yeah. you know, like, so it was definitely scary at first and felt like a huge risk, but um, I've been doing it with my partner, Danny. So I'm not alone. I think it would be different if I was alone. And we started kind of, I remember saying that we would be back on the East coast in April. It's now May and yeah. we're definitely not back and we're still have plans to go other places. So I think that it was also kind of like we needed to go see how it felt. And then there was always the possibility to go back, you know, yeah. but now that we've been doing it, it doesn't feel crazy anymore. It feels very possible. Um, there are definitely some moments where I'm like, this is a lot like to not have a real home and to be moving to like a new place every few weeks and not know what it's going to be like. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I just needed to jump. And once I jumped, I was like, this is totally for me. And now I'm like, okay, let's go international. Let's buzz. You know, I'm like bigger. Sure. bigger. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sky's the limit. What, um, wh- so what kind of, um, what chooses where the next, destination is like are you are you just kind of following the wind or are there places you had in mind where you're like all right at some point we have to stop here at some point we have to check out this yeah we definitely have those at some points um but a lot of it is going with the wind like we actually got offered an artist residency um in Topanga California that was supposed to happen this month and that kind of like changed our plans completely. We were like, we have to take this opportunity if someone throws it out there. Yeah. Um, and then it actually fell through a week before it was supposed to happen. So there's a lot of just like being trusting that you'll have, you know, you'll have a yeah. place to sleep. <laughs> um, and I'm actually like, it's crazy. Also, when you look back and you're like, oh, that fell through for a reason that fell through because I was supposed to be here, which, which is where I am right now, which is a big bear, California in the San Bernardino national forest. Like the national forest trails are less than a minute walk that way. It's crazy. It's gotta be beautiful. Yeah. And I had never even thought this was not on the list. You know, I never thought about this place or heard about it before. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of going with the wind. And then they're like, okay, we want to go to Zion National Park. We want to go to Grand Canyon, like kind of like national park things are in our mind. Yeah. Um, and then also with busking, we also keep that in mind. And we're like, where are good places to busk? Um, so we're planning on going to Portland soon to kind of get a little bit more of a city vibe, um, see some more people and busk there. Uh, but other than that, it's been very much like, our main final destination on the West coast was this place called Ojai, California. And it's so beautiful there. That's 
the last place that we were staying. And so our trip up until then had been like, okay, we go to these places, but we're ending up here. And now that we've done that, it was a little bit more open. Um, Now we're flowing. Yeah. What, yeah. uh, what, what is creating like on the road? Like what, um, or is it, do you find it, um, I'm sure it's definitely got to be inspiring, but, um, do you find it easy to be able to create, um, while traveling or, or does it get in the way at times or both? Yeah, a little bit of both. It's taken some time to adjust. Um, I definitely now feel like I feel very confident in knowing what kind of like home environment is best for me for creating. Um, It's really great for me and for my partner to have like a space where all of our recording stuff is like always there and ready and set up if we need it. Cause like for me personally, one of the things that really stunts like my flow is having to set all of that up. It's like, it's a ton of gear and it's like you write this amazing song and then you're like, okay, now I have to set this thing up and do this. So that can really stop the flow and um, having a space for that is really good. And we have a whole like on the road recording everything. So that's been really amazing. Um, And then another thing that's really important for me for writing is actually being alone and like having my own space. Yeah. Um, So that can be a little bit challenging sometimes because the last place that we were living, we were actually staying with some friends. So there were like one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Five of us in the house. And it wasn't that big of a house. Um, And my writing, I think I wrote maybe one song in like three months or something. Maybe not, but maybe there were more, but the one that I can really think that I feel like I finished um, was like one song. And that I think was because I couldn't get enough space. Um, yeah, so that's definitely, and you would think when you're on the road, you're like, you have the whole country. What are you talking about? (laughs) But it's like, it is also the pandemic. And so there's been a lot of, you know, depending on where you are, you might not have that many places to go. Um, so yeah, it's been interesting to figure out, but I would say that right now where I am, I've been here for like less than a week and I've already recorded a demo, started writing a new song, you know, like there's a lot yeah. going on. So when I have the space and the setup, I'm like, let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. The, um, so, you know, speaking of songwriting and speaking of songs, um, so the, like I said earlier about, um, Nicole sharing, uh, some music and that's how, you know, I first found you. Um, the first thing I heard was this love. And um, that, uh, uh, for lack of better term, and for proper band branding, uh, is a John. That is definitely one of my <laughs> Johns. Um, I love that track. Um, tell me a little bit about um, kind of the creation of that, and not just the song, but also the video. Like uh, one of the things, uh, the other things that I really appreciate um, about you musically um, and as a performer is that um, you seem to appreciate the music video as an art form, as I do. Um, And it's really fascinating uh, to watch um, kind of both to to kind of listen to the song, watch the video and just, just see art. I don't know. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's not around much anymore. You know, you don't find it as much. And, uh, and I'm glad that you're kind of carrying that. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't even, you know, 
think before writing songs, I didn't even think too much about the creation of a music video. But now every time I write a song, I'm thinking visually about what the video could look like or how I could express what I'm trying to say in video form or an image form, you know, now it's, now it's becoming while I'm writing, it's even in my mind. Um, So with this love, this love, the song came, I think a year before the video, pretty much the video came much later. Um, But I think that that was meant to be because like the idea for the video came to mind during quarantine. And I just thought, you know, like, what's a way that I could bring people together and give the song even like an even bigger meaning? Because when I wrote the song, it was mostly like a love song. You know, it was mostly about a relationship that I was having with one person. But then I realized, no, this could be so much more. Like, it's not just about me and that one person. It's about like one person and their what does like what does love mean to them like i love drinking my coffee every morning you know like i you know like yeah i love going for a walk in the national forest i love there are all these things that if you really stop and like appreciate them you can also see that there is like a relationship and a, a love there and i think that um having that space and like during quarantine it was so apparent because I felt like the little things were so special, you know, like getting to take that walk (laughs) or like, you know, having that, those, the little things were so special during quarantine. Um, And I wanted to bring that awareness to others because I know it was like a really difficult time. Um, So that's how the, the idea for the music video was birthed. And then I thought like, how can I not only show that to people, but like connect people. Yeah. Um, So that was, where the idea of like collaborating and getting people to send in videos came from. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's, it, 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 I think you summed it up perfectly. It's almost like it, it unlocked the song, you know, it was like almost like the, the missing key, you know, and it did, it, it, it opened it up. It's an, it's a really beautiful song. Um, I was trying to do um, a supplement to this podcast. This is just kind of some behind the scene things. Um, but I was trying to do a supplement to this podcast where every week I was going to release a, um, uh, uh, music podcast that was just because I'm also a DJ. So it was also, you know, just like a playlist curated by me. Um, and uh, I had put this love on the first uh, weekend jam is what it was called. Oh, um, thank but, you. Um, but the um, podcast uh, company provider that I use um, shut the entire episode down for licensing. So, uh, oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, <laughs> well, thank you for telling me. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I just really know that it, it was, it was there. Um, when it came out, but um, I've I've been trying to work around. Like, I think I might just, um, post like, uh, Spotify playlists, um, to kind of, um, fill that void, but, but yeah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, and then you did a Christmas song you did, uh, is Christmas still alive? Uh, have you, are you a, are you a Christmas music fan? Cause I'm, I've, I've, I talked about this in an earlier podcast, but I've, I hated Christmas music for a good period of time. Cause I worked in a mall and I worked retail and you hear the same songs over and over mm-hmm. again. But then I realized I just hate certain songs. Like, but my appreciation for Christmas music has exploded and it's gone completely the other direction. So, um, 
I will eat up any Christmas song. Uh, how did that <laughs> come like, about? Well, I feel like it's similar for me where like, I mean, when I was younger, I loved Christmas music. And then there was this phase of like, I'm hearing the same songs I heard when I was younger. And it's yeah. like 10 years later, you know, why is this happening? Um, but I really do appreciate Christmas music because I think that it like, it brings in like the, the thick of winter, it brings this light. And, yeah. it br- and it also, everyone knows the song, so everyone can sing along. It brings people together. I th- love Christmas music because of that. Um, I think that this song came about, actually, Nicole asked me, she was like, do you want to cover a Christmas song for the holidays? And I thought like, yeah, of course I'll do something. And then when I was listening, it was similar to what I just said, where I'm like, these are all the same songs that I've been <laughs> listening to for years like I could sing one of them or I could just write my own and sing one that no one's ever heard before um and again I know we keep I keep like bringing up the pandemic but it's like obviously it's it's a big thing so um with that Christmas this year was also very different than it's usually been for for a lot of people um and even though I wasn't necessarily away from my family because of the pandemic stuff, I was very physically in a different space. So for Christmas, around that time when I was writing, I was in Colorado and New Mexico. Um, And this was also my first time not being on the East Coast for Christmas, where it's like very, there's snow and there, you know, like it's very Christmassy there. Um, Not so much in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Although it's weird because the day that I wanted to record the music video for Is Christmas Still Alive, or maybe it was the day before, it snowed. Really? In the desert. Yeah, in New Mexico. So I was like, wait a second, this is exactly what I was not writing about. And yeah. I can't do a music video with the snow <laughs> in the desert. Um, yeah, it's funny. So uh, that song, yeah, is about kind of being isolated uh, during Christmas and during the holiday season and then also being in a different climate than I was used to for the holidays. It's really great. It's really (laughs) great. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that really struck me is even as it starts and it it makes sense that you appreciate Christmas music as much as I do, um, because, uh, it, it feels like a Christmas song, you know, even though, even though it is asking, you know, a tough pandemic kind of uh, distance kind of question, you know, um, it still feels like Christmas. Like it just, I don't know, Christmas has a feeling and it definitely, it, it, you succeeded. So. Thank you. Yeah. I really, when, when working on the production of the song, I was like, I want to use those like classic Christmas sounds like the bells or, you know, like I want to, and I want to incorporate those into the song. Um, And this is actually a good example of what, when you were asking about like being creative on the road, this song I wrote and started recording in just like a few hours. And I remember like recording the vocals. I was just like, kind of like slunch, whatever the word is. (laughs) What's the word? I don't know. I was like sitting like this yeah, no, I'm second and like, just like holding a mic, you know, like, Hmm, that sounds good. You know, kind of recording. And when we got to the next place we were staying and I went to revisit the song again, I tried to record, re-record the vocals. And I was like, they just don't sound as good as the that's first good. ones yeah. where I was just like, you know, <laughs> so I kept those and that's what I used for the song. Um, and this was also an interesting experience for me because I always have this, 
kind of mindset of like everything needs to be perfect um, in order for me to put it on someplace like Spotify, you know, Yeah. Uh, which is so annoying. Um, but with this, I think I put it on Bandcamp and then I was like, just put it on Spotify. So I just put it on Spotify. Um, it all happened very quickly within like a month. I wrote the song, recorded it, and it was up on Spotify. <laughs> See, technology is absolutely amazing. And, and the ability to get music to people now um, being so seamless, um, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Like, it's really awesome. Um, have you, um, what kind of, um, have you gotten any kind of feedback from um, posting things on Spotify? Like, have you seen a growth in um, followers or listenership from any of it? Or Definitely from the most recent song. I think yeah. that um, This Love, I didn't have too much of an audience or a plan for like promoting it before it came out. Um, and same with Is Christmas Still Alive? I just like plopped it out there. Didn't really <laughs> do much promotion with that at all because I didn't know it was going to exist. Um, but with Sunman, there was a lot of like thinking out the promotion. And yeah. I think also just because I've been busking, I've been gathering a lot of fans through that. So there's a lot more engagement with uh, putting this song on Spotify. Yeah. So Sunman, um, perfect segue. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, talking about the um, kind of... Um, uh, what your dad listened to and stuff like that and what you were surrounded with. Um, the opening of Sun Man completely makes sense. Like the, the <laughs> like sonically now, like everything's like coming together like pieces and all. Um, but, um, but what a beautiful song. Tell me a little bit about the creation of that. Thank you. Um, so that song I wrote when I was living in the tent in upstate New York last summer and um, my boyfriend Danny's birthday was coming up. And for me, I feel like just because songwriting is is such a an important part of my life and what I do, um, I often will write songs for people as gifts. Um, so I decided for his birthday, I was going to write him a song. And when I first wrote this song, it was much more of like a ballad. It was very like soft and quiet. And um, I remember I wrote it for his birthday, played it for him. And then later that night, like I was living in, it was like an artist community that was up there. So for his birthday, I remember him like laying on the, in the, on the floor with everyone surrounding him, kind of like giving him birthday blessings. Okay. <laughs> and I don't remember who it was, but they were like, Clover, can you sing the birthday song that you wrote for Danny? And I was like, Oh gosh, like I just finished it. And I don't have my piano. So I have to sing it a cappella. And, um, I sang it. And in that moment, you know, originally it was a song that I wrote for Danny sang for him alone in a room yeah. and a few, maybe an hour later or whatever, these other people knew the song. And in my mind, it was just going to be a gift just for this birthday. Right. But then as it became what it was for more people in that moment, it was like, is this just a gift for Danny or is this like something bigger? Is this something to record something to release? Like, yeah. I don't know that came a little bit later, but I do think that moment of like playing it for just him, 
And then singing it for like with a group of people changed. It changed what it was all in itself. Like I didn't do it, but yeah. it changed. Yeah. Well, I, and <laughs> I think it probably makes sense too, because, you know, uh, when you, when you, when you're, when you directed at one person and when it, it's there for one person, you know, there is uh, a, an energy and, and uh, not to get too out there, but like, I, there's some, there's, there's something that changes and I've never been able to exactly pinpoint what it is when you introduce one more person. Like, so the, the energy between two people, um, is kind of just like a little magnification of self, right? You can still be self in that, but for some reason, once you introduce another person into it, like there's a whole energy that unlocks whether you want it to be there or not, but it, it, it just, it, it's, it, it comes naturally. Um, so I can, I can completely see, uh, without getting too crazy that presenting that kind uh, in, in, in a crowd of people would give it the kind of energy to be like, Oh, now we're here. This is where this is now. Like this now lives. Right. No, I totally agree. And you're not crazy. I was the one who was just telling you he was laying in the, on the floor with people around (laughs) giving him birthday blessings. So like, you're not crazy. Yeah, but absolutely. I do think that like it be, yeah. With what you're saying, like having those other people, their energy made it something else. And some of those people are actually who ended up being like backup dancers in the video. So there's a thread. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the video was also made where I was living up. There. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you, you know, you talked about the, the release of that, like um, uh, that just came out uh, last month, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and is available on all of your favorite streaming sites. People make sure to mm-hmm. go out there and check that out. Um, so, um, you know, kind of circling back over to the pandemic, not that it's over, but you know, we're on, we're, we're on our way out, um, during it. And while you're traveling, um, you were doing, um, I think some zoom performances as well. Um, what what kind of how what kind of feedback and what kind of uh, feeling were you getting from that? Like I, like I said earlier, I find it weird to play streaming. Just you know, um, I've I've done a bunch in the past year, and it, it, I'm never going to get used to it. But um, um, could you could you connect? Could you find a way to connect uh, through doing those? Yeah, it's super weird doing it. Like pouring your heart out, playing a song, and then silence. Yeah, it's like. You know, it's it's I think it's a really interesting exercise for musicians because you have to be super confident. You know, you have to like if you're going to play something for a bunch of people on a screen and then hear nothing that you're automatically going to feel like these feelings of like, oh, what do they think? How does it sound? All those things. Yeah. Um, And you're the only person who can decide that, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. So it's a really interesting exercise. But the way that I feel like I've been able to connect with people most is doing it through zoom so that you like, you know, if you do it on Instagram, you can't see their faces. Um, so doing it through zoom and then also having a little like hangout after so you can talk and that feels really good. That's awesome. So, Mm -hmm. um, how frequently were you doing those, um, I don't think I did them too often. I did a few for like random events that people asked me to do them for. Um, 
I would say maybe I've only done like five or six in okay. total Instagram lives though. Sometimes I'll just like turn it on when I'm doing something random. So that's a little bit different. Um, but the most recent one that I did was actually a, a Solbury alumni event. So oh, like cool. the high school that I went to, they asked me to um, perform. And that was, that was really cool actually, because there were other younger Solbury alumni who I had never met before who performed too. And it was just cool to kind of like connect with, musicians through doing that and then also whoever's watching yeah sure so uh are are, you know these are single releases are you working on um an album currently is there some is there a uh or or do you find albums to be antiquated at this point like do you believe in the album or i believe in the album yeah (laughs) and i want no i want to make an album so badly and i feel like um i feel like i'm in order to get the listening, like the response that I would like, I feel like I need a bigger audience. Okay. Um, so I, I do plan on making an album at some point, but um, there's this artist I really love. His name is Jordan Rakai and he has um, a Patreon and I was a member of his Patreon for a little bit. He, I was learning like some production things from him. And in one of his vid- videos, he said, um, It doesn't make sense to like making an album takes so much time, so much effort, so much of your like physical and mental capacity. And it doesn't make sense to put all that work in for no one to listen to it or no one to engage with it. And although like that's a little bit sad because I feel like artists should be able to create however they want to. Sure. um, I do feel like. I know just from recording how much time and effort it does take. And I feel like I'm waiting for the right time to put that amount of effort in um, when hopefully there are more ears to listen to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, It's weird. You know, um, it kind of goes into my, I have this theory about how, um, you know, a lot of people will release an album, right? And then it'll blow up. And then the second album comes out and everyone goes, oh, it was good, but it wasn't, you know, and it's usually because it was rushed, right? So like, it's usually like, all right, we need a follow-up and the follow-up needs mm-hmm. to come now. But I think about those first albums of a lot of bands and, and you know, a lot of times, you know, their best songs kind of appear on them. And I think it's because, like you said, it these are songs that they have taken their time with, you know, before creating this album, these songs have existed. So it's almost like your first album is almost like a greatest hits, you know, like mm. it's everything that I've worked towards is this. And I'm like, I'm doing it, you know, before it becomes a, okay, what's next. Right. Um, so I think taking your time makes absolute sense. And I, I yeah. 100% am behind that. That's interesting though. I never thought about it like that. That makes so much sense with like, you know, the first album kind of being a band's greatest hits. It's like, yeah. it does make a lot of sense. Especially if you're like a, like a, uh, one of those old kind of, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but one of those bands who, you know, has played like bars for, and, and, and small clubs and small local venues and stuff like that for years. And then they get that major label deal. Do these things even exist? Sometimes I, I start to have these conversations and I don't, I'm like, am I talking about something from 20 years ago? I don't know. But anyway, but, but yes, my point. No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird, you know? And, and um, I think that's one of the things that, um, 
really um, kind of um, is exciting to watch, though, is this kind of change in release um, and change in music. You know, uh, I, I joke that albums are out antiquated. I don't think they are. Um, but they don't they they aren't necessary anymore. Right. Like it's not you don't have to have it to be able to build that following, to be able to build the thing. So. Right. Yeah. So actually a new approach that I'm taking just because of what I was talking about before, where I feel like something that will go on Spotify needs to be like perfect and all, you know, all tied up in a bow. Um, I've now decided to start posting demos that I work on on SoundCloud and I just am finishing up the first one. It'll probably be done today. Um, Yeah. So that's going to be my way of kind of like just getting more things out there to hopefully build that audience or just like have more music out there so that I can take my time and spend more time on the like finished products while still getting things out there for people to listen to. Yeah. And and, um, I think that's one of the things um, now, again, I'm new to all this coming through, but one of the things that I've noticed is that um, I I feel like you're very good at, um, at, uh, at building content like you you have really great content beyond the music you know but like um kind of curating um you know uh content to really i, don't know, I hate using the word content too <laughs> i Do you know see my, content you see i hate struggling that <laughs> like i'm sitting here i'm like it's not fucking content man it's yeah it's actual, i know you know art and stuff like that but i know what you mean for lack of better word i am you know i apologize for it i didn't make it um but um but no like on your youtube channel you know you 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 have a lot of um good covers up there you got a lot of you know i i i like the branding i like uh, now you. that i'm now i'm using some other words that i hate but <laughs> sorry i'm sorry it's, it's not me it's the new world i'm not used to it i know i know Um, Okay, so at this time, I would like to introduce you to the jauntlet. These are um, questions that I ask every guest, and you are the lucky recipient to be on the receiving end of the revised one hit wonders um some of these so um the last episode full episode i just did is a collection of my first 10 guests doing um all of the uh top 10 countdown which we'll get to next um but in doing so i've been researching and i put an excel sheet together because i'm a data nerd of everybody's answers and a bunch of these one hit wonders clearly every single person had the same answer for. So I wanted to revise them. I wanted to switch it up. I wanted to make it fresh. So um, you are going to be the first person to get a few of these questions. Some of these are are, um, carryovers, um, but these are all new, which is just a lot of words to say. Are you ready for the one hit wonders? I'm so ready. Let's do it. All right. One hit wonder number one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Elton John. Yeah. yeah. Um, as a piano player, um, do you, um, you might have a, a, a different appreciation, but um, do you think that this question makes sense? <laughs> Is that, I guess what I do. I'm asking. Yeah. I do think it makes sense. And I actually think it's a, a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think Elton John more so because of uh, songwriting and lyrics. Um, yeah. And actually I just like a personal connection thing um i sang someone saved my life tonight at um my uncle's funeral and so it's kind of like a very special song to me and i also just think yeah his elton john songwriting is 
is really phenomenal. He's my favorite too. I'm not, I'm not, I, I try to not. <laughs> Are you just my, saying that? No, no, no. <laughs> I, uh, um, I'll have to do it again. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I, I did. I finally, after, um, 10 people took the, Oh, you did it yourself myself. Okay. Um, um, and I interviewed myself, um, with a Muppet. It's a thing. Oh my it's God. On, that's awesome. It's on I gotta check it I'll, out. Send, I'll send you the link, but, uh, okay, cool. but yeah, so, <laughs> um, but if I were to do this, that would have been my choice too. Number two. Um, and, uh, this one, um, is, uh, very special to me because I can't pick one. So I'm really interested to see what people think. Right. Number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett. Oh my gosh. You've did good matchups here. <laughs> I'm going to say Joan Jett for this one. I think that, I don't know if, am I allowed to say curse words on here? No. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I think she's such a badass. Like she just like, she's kind of like, she doesn't. Okay. She's like gender. I don't care what you, I don't care what you expect of me. Like I'm going to yeah. do my thing. I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I'm going to have my kind of personality, my attitude, and this is what it is and take it or leave it. And I feel like, that's just super inspirational. Um, yeah. So Joan Jett for me. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, number three, and this one I had never thought about before, but I guess was a, um, was a beef that occurred recently um, mm-hmm. at, during the Grammys. But this is the Queen of Soul versus the Queen of Rock. Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner. Was this, this is like a, there was beef between these Yeah. So the history behind this, and it's so weird, is that um, Beyonce was presenting Tina Turner an award at the Grammys and referred Uh to her as the queen. And then Aretha Franklin. Oh, I did hear about this. this. So that's where this one comes from. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Getting in their feelings. That's right. Ah, Well, I would say Aretha for me. Yeah. Personally, I feel like, um, I mean, she's definitely vocally a huge inspiration for me and I am totally floored by by her and her voice I love Tina Turner too um actually recently busking we got a request after someone heard me saying like can you please thank Tina Turner so um I would say I love her too this is this is another tough one um but I think just in terms of people who I've tried to study yeah um vocally Aretha would be my choice. Perfect. Next one, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Nirvana. Okay. Okay. Ah. Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're. I have memories, you know, like I'm like, I remember singing. Um, what was it? I remember singing actually both of a Pearl Jam and Nirvana song at Solbury in rock band. So I have, I feel I have good feelings about both of them. Okay. Okay. So this one, um, going back to my data nerd thing is, um, you just, um, split the tie, uh, with your, Oh really? Yeah. (laughs) That one was tied up until this moment. So there you go, which is why it stayed. That was one of the good ones. I'm (laughs) telling you some of the other ones, like I was shocked. uh, Not that I thought, um, differently, but shocked at some of the ones that nobody had like, um, um, We'll get to it. I'm going to, I took it out, but I'm going to ask you anyway, just to see what you think. Um, uh, Next one, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Ah, you would be having such the hard, hard, (laughs) how can you put them against each other? Um, I feel like with this, it depends on, on the day. 
because with Janice, I feel like I need her when I need to get out a certain emotion, you know, okay. like she helps me release. Um, and Stevie Nicks is more of, like I said before, with my mom and the kind of music that she would play, that's like more of like a grounding, like, oh, I'm just going to flow through my day kind of <laughs> kind of yeah. feeling. Um, so it definitely for that one depends on the day. Do I have to give one over the to. other? No, okay. no, no one's going to hold you to this. You're not you're not being you're not being judged or graded. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe judged. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, the next one. Beatles or the Stones? Ooh, the Beatles for okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the one that I dropped is um, I asked, I used to ask everybody who their favorite Beatle was. Um, oh, but, uh, everybody said Paul. That's what for, I, I was going to say. Guest. Really? Yeah. See? Well, it's, there it is. Um, I do think it's funny because a lot of people um, say, Paul, well, look at the longevity. And I'm like, well, he wasn't shot. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not really fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a quality. It's, there's no wrong answer to a favorite Beatle. I just like yeah. crap about it. Um, I guess, the, oh, go ahead. I guess I would, I guess, I don't know if I would have said Paul, but I just, uh, I expected that you would say that most people would say. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. My answer was George. And there was only one other person who said George. <laughs> and I don't understand this. <laughs> Why doesn't everybody like George? I don't know. Final one hit wonder Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven. Bohemian Rhapsody. Thank you. Okay. And yeah. that is why I put this question in here because for once and for all, I want to put the nail in the stairway to heaven coffin. Nobody likes that song. Nobody likes that. <laughs> I mean, again, it has good memories, you know, yeah. but Bohemian Rhapsody for me is like a, just a whole other level. <laughs> for me, Bohemian Rhapsody may be the best written pop song ever. Um, I would probably argue with myself in 10 minutes and be like, no, it's Robin dancing on my own. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, the best or second best pop song ever. <laughs> really good. Yeah. OK, so that's the one hit wonders. The second half of the jauntlet is the top 10 countdown. Here we go. Um, I use uh, you're going to hear John a lot in here um, being from the area. I'm sure, you know, John can be whatever you want it to be. Does not have to be music. Doesn't have to. It can be anything. You so oh, anything okay. you want. Um, right. Question number one: What was your first John? What was the first thing you found yourself really obsessed with? Ooh, well, I mean, it was music for me. Yeah. I guess I was obsessed. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Number two: What's your current John? What are you into right now? Ooh, I'm into a. I'm into a lot of things. I've been um, actually making a lot of art outside of music. So um, I've been making sustainable merch. Uh, cool. What does that mean? One may ask, because it's something we should question. But, you know, a lot of bands are expected to make like band tees. Yeah. Like everyone wants a T-shirt of their favorite band. Um, but who really needs another brand new T-shirt? So um, I've been thrifting shirts and then dyeing them naturally with um, onion skins, pomegranate skins, avocado skins in pits, um, and then screen printing them myself. That so is that's awesome. Been a yeah, that's been a new hobby of mine, trying to like just be more conscious of the kind of merch that I create. Yeah, that is yeah. so cool. That is really awesome. Like, that's, I mean, like, I mean, not only does that make it, um, oh, I'm, I'm able to get merch of an artist that I like. That's also like I'm able to get a piece of art from an artist I like. That's really cool. I really, really, really dig that. Thanks. Uh, number three, what was the first concert you ever went to? 
The first concert I went to was actually Paramore. Really? No Paramore? Yeah. I do know Paramore. (laughs) And it was in Philly. It was at the Electric Factory. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Number, that was three. Number four, what was the last concert you were at? Oh my gosh. That was so long ago, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. The last concert that I was at was probably some show in uh, New York City. Um, There's this really fun bar called Bar Lunatico. um, And they have a lot of like jazz there. So I probably the last musical thing before the pandemic that I probably went to was a show there. Okay. Um, Yeah, probably some jazz. Very cool. I um uh, uh I talked about this uh two podcast or last podcast two pod um, the, it all flows together. Actually, it really comes down to I'm not, I think this releases in two weeks, and I'm trying to figure out if I talked right. about it in advance. But anyway, in the future, in the past, everything time is a flat circle. Um, but I uh, just went to see uh, my first live show in forever. Uh, oh since my gosh, the beginning that's so of the exciting! Pandemic. Yeah, it was great, and uh, I cried. I did like oh. it, it started, and I was like, "Oh, we're doing it again. We survived." But oh my gosh, that's amazing! I'm so happy for you. Yeah, and it was I, great. I'm like so curious what that will be for me. What's going to be my first concert? I don't know after the yeah. pandemic. Do you so um just to kind of sidetrack here um what so you've been you know traveling across the u.s what is your what is your comfort level in playing um places do you play indoor shows at all or i haven't done anything indoor yet um i've only done outdoor but you know now with the way everything what's going with like the vaccine and all of that and um I, Nicole has been definitely searching for shows now that I'm, I'm going to be in the Bay area a little bit and I'm going up to Portland and Seattle. So I'm ready for shows. That's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. (laughs) It's very cool. All right. That was number four. Number five. What was your favorite concert you've ever been at? What was your favorite live show? I think, uh, that's hard, but I think that I have really, really fond memories of this show. Actually cafe world cafe live okay. um my favorite it was venue alan stone i don't know if you know him but he's like um i think he's from washington state and he's a really funny like he's super goofy i think he grew up in a really religious home okay. and not that he's not religious anymore but he probably strayed a little bit away from that and found this music that he's like soul funk r&b pop and he's just he's super goofy like i remember in his show he was like singing and playing and then all of a sudden he accidentally like spit when he was singing and then he stopped the song he was like i'm so sorry everyone did did anyone see that huge (laughs) ball of spit that just came out of my mouth and then he just like goes back to playing you know like so he's he's like an amazing person to see live you know this is another example like if you're listening to a studio recording Right. You wouldn't hear that. You wouldn't know that like person piece of his personality. That's right. Um, but yeah, he's one of my favorite people to see live. Definitely. Awesome. I will have to look some of that up. Uh, that's yeah. really cool. I'll, but send yeah, you, wor- I'll send you something. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> World Cafe Live. It's my favorite um, venue in this area. Like uh, the sound is perfect. There's not a bad seat. It's just a yeah. place. And I saw uh, it's a great place. I saw um, Brian Wilson performed there and I was like uh, right up against the stage and I'm like, oh my gosh, nice. goddamn beach boy in front of me. Uh, 
number six, who have you never seen live that you always wanted to? They can be alive or dead. Well, I wish I could have seen Queen. That oh, would have been yes. pretty cool. <laughs> Very good answer. Very good yeah. answer. Uh, number seven, name an unappreciated John. Name something that you wish had more shine to it, something more people uh, were into. Maybe. I don't know. I think just because of being on this road trip and seeing a lot of different parts of the country and spending a lot of time in nature. Yeah. I, I don't think that people don't appreciate nature or like see it as something beautiful, but I think I wish that more people would, I guess, yeah, spend more time in nature and not like we have a lot of fear sir like you know i'll yeah. go into the woods and there's like mountain lions or like snakes and all these things and um when we live in cities and don't spend time there we kind of like picture this thing of like oh there's so much to be afraid of or like we're not able to really find that peace within ourselves to fully enjoy it so i guess i would say something like that just like deep appreciation for nature and really spending time in it and not not seeing it as like an other but yeah. seeing it as we are a part of it beautiful answer beautiful <laughs> answer i love it uh number eight what is your favorite album of all time hmm this is hard too i want to say i don't know why this is coming to mind right now but um the sufjan stevens album illinois um I, it's hard for me to say that it's my favorite album of all time, yeah. but that's something that like as a collective work, I always think of as like, it's like magical, it's magic. And there are other albums that maybe I'll like bop to more, sure. but like, this is something that I listen to and I'm like, whoa, I'm in another, you're, when you're listening, you're in another world. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's um, and, and, you know, going back to my our albums antiquated, that's one of the things that I love about albums is that kind of transportation um, from track one to however many tracks there are. Um, if you find a good album that you love and you can't skip anything and you are just in it, that's that's it. That's that's what I look for, man. That's it's awesome. Mm. So good. Uh, number nine, name an artist whose output you will consume anything they release, even if you have to be apologetic for it. Well, my answer, I know my answer is Lake Street Dive. Do you know that yes, band? Yes. Yeah. I will consume anything they put out and have not yet had to been have been apologetic for it. That's definitely and I don't true. really see that happening with them. But yeah. They they're my favorite band, they're, hands down. <laughs> they are so good. The um, I remember um, I was at work one day and I was playing um, just a Spotify playlist I had of a bunch, and um, I think three times a coworker came over to me and he was like, "Who's on right now?" And I'm like, "It's Lake Street Dive." And he's like, "Oh, they're really good. I'll have to look them up." And then like five minutes later, he comes back over and he's like, "Now who's this?" I was like, "Same band." I was like, you know, <laughs> and it happened like three times. He was like, "Okay, yeah, I guess I'm a fan." And I was like, yeah. "Yes, you are. Welcome." That's Welcome. awesome. Oh, so good. Uh, the tenth and final question of the top ten countdown: Are you ready? I think what, I'm ready. What is your favorite John of all time? Again, can be anything you want it to be. Okay. 
My favorite John of all time is freedom. I like it. And I say that again, based on my experience with this road trip and making the decision to leave what I'm familiar with, to jump into the unknown, um, I wouldn't be able to do that without my freedom. Um, and sometimes I, sometimes I uh, take away my own freedom by saying, you know, no, that's not possible or that's too scary or whatever. Um, and I'm realizing something that I've really been focusing on with this trip is like making sure that I have full freedom and that I'm not shoving that down or pushing it aside um, out of fear. So that's going to be my answer. That's a beautiful answer, you know, and, and, and it's one of the things, you know, I really do um, kind of respect and, you know, I'm sure you're still struggling and finding with it as you, you know, talk about um, doubt, you know, a little bit of the self-doubt and all, um, but your embrace of kind of why I want to say why not like so you know you're saying you're doubting yourself on oh I can't do that um but your embrace of answering that with well why can't I why can't I do that um mm -hmm. and it's a really fantastic thing Thank uh you. so if anybody listening to this show would like to find some more information out about you what's the best way to locate you on the internet or on social media there are many ways. Um, one of them is on Instagram. I'm at Clover on the Mic. Uh, you can also find me on my website, cloveronthemic.com. Um, on YouTube, if you search any of my songs that you find on Spotify, um, which you can all find through my Instagram, that's usually like the easiest place to go. Yeah. Um, and there are so many other links out there. I say just go to Instagram at Clover on the Mic, and you'll find the rest of them there. <laughs> Perfect. So, what's next? What do you uh, what do, What do you have on the pipeline? What do you uh, other than traveling the U.S.? I have um, two other songs that have been recorded that will hopefully come out before the end of this year. And like I said, I'm going to be putting up a lot of uh, new demos on SoundCloud. So I really hope that you know people start listening. I would love feedback. This is kind of like a space where I want. It to be a little bit more like, what do you like of these sounds? What more do you want to hear? So that I can kind of gather the data. I like data too. Um, <laughs> and then work from there to create uh, the next few songs that come out. It's really awesome. You know, it's 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 uh, fascinating that you have grown from somewhere where you were making music for yourself that you didn't want to bring anybody else in to a point where you are now uploading demos and asking for critiques <laughs> and asking for information. That is awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, you got anything you want to say to these people before you, we, we end this uh, conversation? Well, I just want to say this has been amazing. I didn't know what to expect when coming into this conversation. And now I feel super full for the rest of my day. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's listening. I hope you all have a beautiful day. How awesome. My thanks again to Clover for joining me here on the podcast. Be sure to visit www.cloveronthemic.com for updates and links to her social media. And check out her newest single, Sunman, available on all music streaming sites and YouTube. If you have not already, what the shit? Go subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast providers and share it with your peeps. Go. We'll wait. Did you do it? 
For real? Okay, thank you. Now, if you want to meet the challenge of the day, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and earn yourself that super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world by rating and reviewing us like the queen or king or queen that you are. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and find Yo That's My John on YouTube for all kinds of video blessings, including the brand new John of the Day. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. Hell yeah, episode five. We now ask that you please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the captain turns off the fastened seatbelt sign. On behalf of Yo, That's My John and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this trip, and we are looking forward to seeing you on board again in the near future. Join me next week for an all-new special edition podcast featuring our first returning guest, Blue Skies. Until next time, everybody! Hey yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be measured. Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout. To the world, yo, that's my John.